Hey everyone, this is Ashley Latecki Ellenboss with Sky House Herb School and Apothecary. And today I'll be talking about plant spirits and plant devas and some of the ways we can think about this from a traditional yogic perspective. And I'm going to weave in some experiences I've had with the plants, as well as um, some bhakti yoga philosophy that's really helped me to understand where to couch all of these ideas and um, and have some pretty, um, I think, relevant uh, things to say about plants and their spirit, spirits and their bodies. So I'll start off by talking a little bit about um, the idea of plants as persons. And I know I spoke about this a little bit in um, one of my previous um, podcasts and, um, and talks on YouTube. So just to reiterate, um, you know, in yoga, there's this idea that all, that all things that are alive um, have a soul or they have this, this essence, this Atman uh, or Atma that is this sort of quintessential material of the soul. And and so depending on your karma, which is, uh, you know, what your actions have been in the past, in the case of yoga, uh, we talk about past lives. So the idea that the decisions you made, the kind of life you lived, had determined which kind of body you were born into in this lifetime and determined the types of bodies you were born into in past incarnations. But I was listening to a great uh, podcast. It's called Wisdom of the Sages. I don't know if any of you listen to it, but it's really, really good. It's a whole podcast on yoga philosophy. I'm just going to pull up the latest episode, which I just listened to, which is kind of the um, the inspiration for, for today's talk. So it was episode 392. Um, so if you want to hear a little bit deeper philosophy, these two uh, yogis and um, you know, yoga philosophers are way, you know, they're much, they know a lot more about this than I do. I'm, I'm kind of a novice in, in this work. Um, but this podcast, it was, it was really funny because um, you just have to listen to it. It was, you know, it was like deep, but also really funny. It had a number of, of laugh out loud moments for me, which um, I love when that happens when I'm listening to spiritual devotional um you know, teachings is when you get a big belly laugh because some of it's just really funny and ridiculous. Uh, so anyway, that's my side note. Um, but in this, in that particular podcast, in that particular episode, uh, they were talking about how, you know, our, we are, we often think of ourselves as being incarnated only into human bodies. Cause I think that's kind of all our brains can wrap around is like, oh yeah, reincarnation. I've been, it's been the same soul in different human bodies, but from the classic yogic texts, uh, really the way they describe it is quite different is that you have a soul, but the soul actually takes on different personalities. So it's not like, for example, um, 
you know, Jane, let's just call her Jane in this lifetime, was the same, had the same personality characteristics and traits as she had in, in past lifetimes. And so it's like the same Jane just in, you know, body hopping, essentially. <laughs> That's not actually how the yoga shastras describe it. They describe it more like there's this core consciousness and this core jiva or soul and they actually kind of try on different personalities and different states of consciousness. So for example, Jane might have been a big old oak tree that lived for 500 years, you know, out in some forest land in Lithuania, right? Like that could have been one of the bodies she took on and her consciousness in that tree body would have been very different than the consciousness she has in her body as Jane, right? Do you see that? And so to me, what was so awesome about this was that they were, you know, they were saying like, we've all had plant bodies before, you know, if we really take what these ancient yoga texts say as true is that, um, many of us really have a curiosity to explore different types of, um, of consciousness. And so we take on all these different forms and all these different bodies, but that the human form is actually something very special. And so if you were born into a human body, uh, especially if you're born into a human body that is uh, healthy, you have access to good um, education. You know, they say in the yogic books, you know, if you're born into a family with wealth, um, which by worldly standards would be most people in, <laughs> in North America, um, you know, not all, but, you know, certainly there's an advantage in this country and in, in, in that material way um, that you are, you know, you're very lucky and that uh, you, you know, are, if you have education, food to eat, and, um, and especially if you're born into a family of wealth, who's also spiritual in nature, then like double bonus, you are set up quite well to attain um, liberation um, or um, enlightenment. But from the bhakti point of view, this is um, like pure devotional love of God. It's not uh, checking out and going, you know, going somewhere else. It's not merging with God. It's actually becoming um, engulfed with love of this divine source. And then, um, you know, sometimes, you know, if you're really lucky, you can leave the physical body. You don't get born into human bodies again. You get, you, your soul just sort of stays in that uh, liberated bodiless state and you get to hang out with uh, um, all the other liberated souls in some very fantastical land where nectar runs and <laughs> things are really good. <laughs> um, so, uh, but you know, but most, most souls are, as we look around this earth, like think of how many ants there are. Uh, think of how many clovers there are, how many, yeah, I mean, there's so many types of life and life forms that we often think of as just sort of inert, but they are, if we take it from the yogic perspective, they all are little jivas, they're little souls in these little plant bodies experiencing a different level of consciousness. And so, you know, when I was listening to this, I was just like, oh, you know, that's, since I was a child, I've always felt that way. I've always felt like the, the plants and the trees in my yard growing up, like they, they were more than just these 
objects that were uh, of use, you know, like what does this tree do? Like, is there something we can do with this tree? Can we build something on this tree? Can we chop it down and use its wood? Does this plant have a purpose over here? Does it make flowers I can cut, right? I never, I always instead thought of them as kind of resident uh, friends in the yard. Like we had a birch tree in our yard and we had a crab apple tree and some pine trees in the back. And they were all, they all were very, individual you know they, they each had very different personalities at least the way that I saw them through my kid lenses and so as I grew up uh, you know that never really left me um, however I was told that that was not an appropriate way to view nature <laughs> uh, you know that that um, that was um, you know a fairyland that's childlike thinking and I was always like mm, I don't think so guys I think I think you lost some marbles somehow <laughs> between your childhood and in your adulthood because this actually makes a lot of sense and you know and then when I took my first psychedelics in my um, my late teens and then I and I saw the nature of these plant spirits um, through an even more I would say kind of open type of uh, lens, I was like, okay, <laughs> these trees are super intelligent. These plants are not benign. You know, there's really, really more to this than most of us are willing to explore. And, um, and then, you know, many years later, uh, finding bhakti yoga that reaffirmed all of this was just so, so helpful. So, that's a little bit of the backstory. And I, so now I want to talk about a few plants that I've had a particular relationship and how that's evolved over time. And um, just some stories that might be interesting for you to hear too. And it might even bring up your own plant stories from your experiences in nature. Uh, so the first one uh, was my experience with, um, with violets. And so you might know violets, um, viola odorata is the kind of common uh, floral smelling violet. There's also the blue violet, I forget its Latin name, but it's the, it's the more common one along the East Coast. And so I remember when I was in herb school, um, you know, and I was learning all about different plants, you know, really more of the, the stronger medicines, you know, we learned about, you know, echinacea and astragalus and turmeric and ginger. And I, you know, we didn't study the more um, subtle plants. So violet was one that we never studied, but I was looking through some of my herb books and it just caught my eye because I'd always really been fond of this plant. And so I was reading up on it. And then that night I had a dream. And in the dream, I was walking in this down this trail um, that is actually a real trail that I loved to walk on as a teenager down in Marriott'sville, which is um, kind of uh, between Baltimore and like Ellicott City kind of area and a little north, a uh, little north uh, and west of Ellicott City in Baltimore. And in this, on this, I was on this trail and there's the Patapsco River that flows by and there was this sort of big open clearing and I was being called to it. And I was like, okay, there's something down there that I need to see. And um, there was this big bathtub, like an old clawfoot bathtub sitting there down by the riverbank on the sand. And I, I leaned over and I looked inside and it was filled like with moss and these violets inside it. And they were just giggling and giggling. And I was like, what, what are you doing 
what are you doing in there? Number one. And like, like you're giggling and it made me start giggling. So I was like starting to giggle and they were giggling and we were all giggling. And I like was getting stomach cramps because I was <laughs> laughing so hard. And I was just filled with this, just this sweet joy. It was like so pure and, um, and so, yeah, so childlike. And, and, you know, violets have this very childlike, very delicate, sweet uh, personality about them. And so, you know, again, then, then Violet went out of my consciousness because, you know, I was back to the books of studying these more classic herbal remedies in the, in the Western pharmacopoeia. Um, and then it wasn't until, gosh, maybe like eight or nine years later that I started picking up and studying Violet again. And, uh, and this time looking at it as a demulcent, which means um, it's very soothing, it's cooling, it's good for coughs. Um, it's also gently detoxifying. And I remember reading about its affinity for the throat and it being a flower of shyness. I was like, oh, interesting, because after I had that dream, um, you know, I really felt um, a little bit like something had been kind of unlocked uh, with my voice and that something in my spirit had felt like it was really um, brightened just just from having that dream. And I was reflecting on that. And I was like, gosh, you know, Violet really it is such a joyful plant and this throat, this idea of it working on the throat chakra, which is often considered to be blue in color. And, you know, the violets kind of have this bluish violet color to them, uh, you know, really made sense. And um, since then I learned about its use for helping people find their voice, finding, um, uh, especially if one's been traumatized, if there's been trauma in one's childhood, uh, where maybe the child didn't feel like they could speak their truth or didn't feel like they uh, their voice was valued, that violet is used to gently soften and soothe the tightness in the throat for people that feel like they have a pit, like a peach pit stuck in their throat. Like there's something, you know how, I don't know, for me, when, when I'm about to cry, my throat gets really, really tight, especially when I'm trying to fight the tears. I'm like, don't cry. <laughs> when I get into that state, my throat just totally tightens up. And that feeling is what violet is really good for. And it really just loosens up the throat allows tears to flow, allows the voice to flow, allows giggles or laughter to come out. And, you know, sometimes I think as we, as adults, we're taught we need to be very serious. And I think this is something that I remember when I was in herb school, uh, you know, one of my, um, one of my colleagues that I worked with would always say like, you need to play more, you need to have more fun. And I was like, I do, I have lots of fun. I'm very, I'm very fun. <laughs> But I wasn't very good at being vulnerable. And I wasn't very good at really letting go. I didn't really know how to do that. Uh, and so, you know, when Violet came and revisited me and I started noticing it all over my yard, we had moved to a new house. And the first spring there, there was like, I mean, it was incredible. The whole side yard and my neighbor's yard, which are, were connected, were just covered in blue, in blue violets and white violets. And I started gathering them 
and making teas and making cookies and uh, drying them and making art with them. And it was just the most joyful experience. And I could feel it not only continuing this work on my throat, helping my voice to just feel more like my own voice, um, helping me to just relax a little and, and feel some of the tenseness and the need to manage everything starting to fade and and my daughter uh my first daughter would then as when she got older would go out and we would go out and every spring and gather big bowls and put, mix them in our yogurt and oh it was just so joyful and so i that plant to me um i just i feel such a kinship with it I, it's it's i think the spirit of violet is a uh, joyful uplifting and childlike energy. And so if that's something that you feel like you might need more of, and you know, Violet's also shy. She kind of hides her, her face a little bit underneath these big banner petals. And, but when you lift her chin up and you look down her throat, it's like these iridescent sparkly um, little hairs. And they're just so so oh, sweet and um and and so soft and so beautiful and it's just like oh gosh look at that beauty that's just pouring out of her throat <clears throat> it's making me cough <clears throat> see maybe there's another layer of relief and felice so yeah so it's throat it's definitely um throat medicine and, and the idea too, again, that it was in a big bathtub is it's also like very cleansing. It's very watery. It's a plant of, gosh, I can't remember. Is it the moon? Is she an herb? I think she's an herb of the moon um, or of, or ruled by cancer, one of the two, but it definitely has this very watery kind of lunar type of energy to it. Um, another plant that really I think its spirit spoke so strong to me is blue vervain. And blue vervain is an upright, tall plant. It grows with uh, these sort of spikes of flowers that come out. It's very tall. You know, when I remember looking at it in books and not, you know, you don't really get perspective. And then when you see it in person, I was like, wow, girl, you are, you're tall. <laughs> like, you know, upwards of like, you know, five, six feet tall, you know, as tall as me or and taller. Um, these beautiful plants that grow um, in the Midwest uh, around water, like uh, kind of in rocky compacted soil um, alongside uh, gullies and, uh, you know, sides of the road would be like a good place to find it. Um, and, and so the plant, this plant spirit is, um, it's, it's very much about that. Like I've got it all together. Um, I'm upright. And then it has this like fanning out energy too. So we know that medicinally this plant is dispersive of tension. And an interesting thing about blue vervain as well is that um, sometimes the flower tops can get so heavy that the whole stem will break. And so this is sort of reflective of that idea of when we try to control things or we try to keep too much in our head and we're kind of like, selfish with our own, uh, with our own knowledge or, um, even love, you know, we can sometimes like hold, hold it for ourselves that when we do that, we can actually 
uh, injure ourselves. And physically that's true. You know, if we, if you hold too much in your head and you're not very good at letting things go like old grudges and things like that, it'll start to really affect your health, both mental and physical. And then we also know just tension in the neck. A lot of people that are just very cerebral, um, and very controlling, uh, also tend to have jaw pain and neck tension, especially down the backs so and the sides of the neck here. And that's a, it's a specific remedy for that, a specific remedy for neck pain and jaw pain and too much information and holding too much in the head. And so, yeah, my personal story with this plant was when I was in Michigan last summer and uh, I had been having terrible neck pain my husband and I were trying to figure out where were we going to move? What's the next step? You know, we had closed our yoga studio. We were like, okay, we've got to make a decision. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And I was feeling all this pressure to try to control it and figure it out. And my neck was really hurting me. And uh, yeah, we were, we were driving to go on this um, canoe trip uh, with, with the girls. And, uh, and so we parked. And as soon as we drove into the sandy parking lot, right in front of me was all this blue vervain. And I like was like rubbing my eyes, like, is this real? Cause I had never seen the plant wild before. And it was big and beautiful and these purple flowers. And I was like, I, I need you, I need you buddy. I don't know. And I didn't, you know, I, I my, sometimes there's like a, a lag in your rational mind of like why you need something. And then there's that intuitive hit of like, you and me, we got to do something here. Like there's something that needs to happen. So as soon as I saw the plant, I was like, oh yeah, like I, you're here, you know, we, it, it was, it's, it's kind of like, um, you know, you haven't seen someone in a long time. And then like, you're, you're in a busy city and you're like walking down the street and you lock eyes and you're like, oh, hi, oh my gosh. It's so good to see you. Like, that's what it felt like with blue vervain. I was like, oh, Oh, you, yeah, like, I know you. <laughs> and um, and I, my husband was like, I was like, oh my God, babe, I think that's blue vervain. He was like, what does that mean? Are, are you okay? Cause I was like freaking out. And I was like, no, I don't know, it's a plant. Like this is, this is great. I was like, just stay in the car. And I jumped out and I went and I looked and I was like checking out the leaves and like taking pictures to make sure it was the right plant. And, and it was, my husband was probably like, what is she doing? Like, you know, rummaging around in this old field. <laughs> um, but it was like, you know, that, that plant spirit was like, yeah, you know, we need to talk. And so um, after we went canoeing, I asked the plant if I could harvest some and the plant said, yeah, yeah, there's, there's a lot of me, but you know, for me, when I harvest plants, especially in the wild, it's like, I have to keep asking because, you know, I'm often kind of directed of where to plant or where to pick because the plants are sometimes like, it's like, yeah, take this top part here. And I always like to cut it above where the root, where the leaves come out. So if there's two leaf branches coming out and then there's the stem, I'll cut it right here because then those leaves will branch out and they'll make more flowers. And the plants are usually really happy when it's like, yeah, don't cut me at the bottom. Let me keep growing so I can do my thing, but you can just take this piece over here. So, you know, it directed me to all these different, you know, I was like hop, plant hopping. I didn't take all from one plant. I took a little from this one, a little from that one, a little from this one. And this one was like, hey, over here. And I was like, oh, I'm, I can't get to you. I'm really sorry. 
And he was like, okay, don't worry next summer. I was like, okay. So I, I got, you know, this big gathering of plants and hung them upside down from the rafters of my mother-in-law's house. And she's thankfully very cool that she didn't mind having like, you know, herbs <laughs> hanging from her guest room for a few days. Um, and so when, when I got home, I dried a bunch and then I and then I made a really strong tea and I didn't, I wasn't sure cause I'd never made a tea. So I just was like, let's just go for it. Let's just see what this plant has. And I knew it was a bitter, but let me tell you that first batch of tea was so, so bitter. Um, I let it steep for maybe like three hours, which that I, you know, for me, it's like, if I'm going to use a plant, like I want to really, I wanted, I, I knew it's dose. I knew that it had a pretty wide therapeutic window. It's pretty safe. You know, you really can't overdose on it. So I was like, okay, let's just see what this plant can do. So I drank it and the taste just was like, whoa, knocked me out of my, <laughs> out of my body for a second. It was so, so bitter and acrid too. Um, but guess what? Within like 30 minutes, I was like, my stomach settled and my neck tension started just draining, like going away. And I was like diffusing. And by the end of that night, you know, I was like barely able to turn my head in one direction because it was so sore. I was like, oh, wow, look at this. Like everything was back in alignment. It was almost like the, the plants just sort of reoriented my, my neck and took all that tension away. And I, so I kept drinking that plant over the course of the next four days. And by the end of that trip, we had decided it was very clear we were moving to Minnesota. And uh, we started looking at rental houses. I think we might have even secured a rental property while we were in Michigan, just on the internet um, for, um, for, no, I think, well, we had, yeah, we had started the process of securing it. And I think by the end of the trip, uh, we had put in an application and were kind of like under contract um, with a house in Minneapolis where we are now. So uh, yeah, that was really neat because it was, you know, it, to me, it was like letting go of control, letting go of the tension. It wasn't really, you know, it was my choice and our choice as a family to make, but it was also the plants. The plants were like, you need to move near us because my teacher, um, Matthew Wood, you know, what he lives in, in um, he lives in, uh, not Michigan, what's right south of Minnesota. Wisconsin. He lives in Wisconsin, right on the border of Wisconsin and Minnesota. And I was like, you know, I, all the plants I've learned of that, I, you know, the way that I learn about plants is really through story and traditional use. And, you know, all, most of the plants he uses a lot grow in this area. And this is my hometown. I was born in Minnesota. It's where my family lives. So it was kind of like, okay, the, the, the Midwest, you know, the, it was kind of like the plants were like, Hey, we all grow here. If you want to get to know us better, you need to, you need to live where we all grow. And so, um, that was like pretty, pretty amazing to have that experience. And now here I am and we love it here. <laughs> so, so that's pretty neat. Um, and yeah, I, I, I guess the only other thing that I I'll say about this idea of plant spirits and, uh, plant bodies is that, you know, I know a lot of people are really interested in like, how, how do you make that connection? How do you tap into those uh, levels of awareness? And I think really the best 
the best advice I would be is to just spend time in nature and ask the plants questions. I know that might sound a little bit crazy, but you know, it's like you wouldn't go up to a person that you just met and be like, give me something, you know, give me something that I need. Cause they would be like, you're really rude and that's not polite. But if you go, if you go up to a person and you say, hi, um, tell me a little bit about yourself. You know, why do you live here? And uh, what do you like? What don't you like? Um, you know, tell me a little bit about your, your history. And then the person will open up. And if they have something that's of value, it might come through very organically rather than it be this sort of transactional based relationship. So, so with plants, I feel like that's how they give you the information too, is when you're curious, when you sit with them, when you study them. Um, and so it's kind of like, you know, it's like entering into a new club, uh, like a, like a spiritual clubhouse group, <laughs> like a Patreon group for plants. So it's like when you start to make relationships and you start to give things back to plants, like you're like, you know, let me give you some of my compost or um, let me check in and see how your leaves are doing. Or boy, you look like you need uh, a little bit more of this. And, and you start becoming interested in, in being of service to the plants and you are curious about them and their needs, they start to reciprocate and they start to share things with you. And before you know it, it's like once you get to know one plant really well, then other plants become more accessible. So trees are, I think, a really good place to start because they're they don't, they're not like plants that die off, you know, like in different parts of the season. So if you can just find a tree in your yard or one on a, you know, wherever a trail is that maybe you walk on regularly. And just every time you pass that tree, just put your hand on it and just say, whatever you want. Hey buddy, good to see you today. Uh, wow. Gosh, look at your leaves are starting to come out. You look so beautiful. You know, just start talking to that plant and tree and just, you know, offer it kind words, um, ask it questions here or there, and just see what comes back, you know, see what comes back. And, you know, you don't have, it doesn't have to be this sort of rational, you know, verbal thing, a, a communication, the communication can be much more subtle. It's like, how do you communicate with your dog? Like, how is it that your dog or your cat knows how you're feeling, right? Like there's, because there's a soul in that dog or cat. And the same thing is true with plants. It's just, we have to tap into that consciousness and then we'll start to be able to communicate. And just like, you know, your dog will be like, oh, now's a good time for me to get lots of scratches. Or the dog will look at you and be like, okay, I'm gonna just go over here and lay down for a little bit, right? You know, it, it's just that subtle type of communication. You can have that with plants too. So I encourage everyone to try that because as you start to see the soul in everything, the world starts to make a lot more sense and uh, it's a much more interactive experience. And suddenly going into Target or like, doing the things that you used to do to kind of pacify your mind or pacify some of these sensory urges to like interact and exchange. Once you start doing this with the natural world, you'll feel like, you know what? No, I don't need to go to Target. I just need to go for a walk. And I just need to like have exchanges with plants. And not only will your checkbook benefit. <laughs> um, but, you know, you'll also come away feeling more deeply satisfied. And, and then those plant spirits um, 
you know, they'll be there for you and you can just expand your world and your friendships in that way. So I hope that was interesting. I would love to hear your feedback. I'd love to hear about any experiences you've had with plants and your exchanges with them. How did you start communicating with plants and maybe any other uh, examples that uh, come to mind. So thank you so much for listening. Please give me a like or a thumbs up if you enjoyed this. Uh, if you're listening to this as a podcast, please give me some stars so that other people can find me. And once again, I always am so appreciative of your time and listening to stories of the plants and also this uh, wonderful wisdom that yoga gives us. So thanks so much, everyone. Take care.